Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. This is Movie Fighters, the show where I, Matt Wilson, and Chris Sims, we watch movies and beat them up. Why do I sound so low and sexy? It's because we, for the first time in a long time, maybe the second time ever, are together. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. To record an episode of Movie Fighters. Surely to God we've done this together other than when we watched Dracula Untold. I believe that was the only time. Yikes. Okay. So, great track record for this. That was that was the first attempt at the uh, Universal Monsters shared universe. <laughs> Are we going to watch that Mummy movie? I don't want to. I really don't want to. Let us know if you want us to watch that Mummy movie, I guess. But we are taking a break from what we started calling No Nans, and we were later suggested could be called Phonans, which is also a great name. It's a really good name. Um, but we're taking a break from that because we're at Chris's apartment. We're in the middle of NC Comic Con Oak City right now. We're tired. I'm, I'm pretty sleepy. I didn't sleep well last night. And then I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then I had fitful sleep until I got up again. So instead of spending an hour and 50 minutes watching Hundra, which was the next movie we were going to watch, which I think we are still going to watch, I recently, just now, actually discovered that that movie is directed by Matt Simber, the man... What's your name? The first part of that. The man who was the director of the entire series run of The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling Glow, which makes me far more interested in Hundra than I was before. We don't really have that time, or we won't, don't really want to take that time. We, ha- we have the time. We do not want to spend the time. Yeah, so what we're doing instead is we're doing something that we are, we are carrying on a movie fighter's tradition. Mm-hmm. We are going to watch the three available episodes on Netflix 
of Equestria Girls Tales of Canterlot High. This is technically our fifth Equestria Girls episode. Mac, do you do me a favor? Please, please, anything. If we have new listeners, listeners who might be new to the Kaleidos Media family of podcasts, new to you, new to me, new to movie fighters, could you please, from memory, recap the other four Equestria Girls movies? Quickly. Movie one. Twilight Sparkle, Mm -hmm. who lives in the land of Equestria, finds a portal that takes her to a world where the ponies she knows are actually human girls. I feel like you left out the part where she's a pony, which should be like like first sentence information. She's a horse. Okay. Okay, yes, she's a horse. She goes... I mean, I was getting there. She goes from a world where her friends are ponies, and she, and she is, to a world where uh, they are human girls attending a high school. The first movie is mostly just about her meeting these girls, them discovering that they have, like, superpowers, where they can grow tails and they, ears. They fought a Satan. And they fight a Satan, yeah. uh, whose name is Sunset Shimmer, yeah. which is, like, a weird reverse of Twilight Sparkle. Yeah, or just... Synonyms. They're just synonyms for Twilight Sparkle. The second movie... Is which one is that? I want to say that one's Friendship Games. Second movie is Friendship Games. It is about a sporting competition uh, that occurs at the high school. Um, there is another Satan that shows up, and but it's a different Satan because Sunset Shimmer reforms. She gets she becomes a good person, which often happens in sequels. Um, and then they never finish the games; they just declare it a tie, and it is the most bullshit that ever happened. Uh-huh. The third movie is Rainbow Rocks. It is about that was the second one. That was the second. One. Okay, then we we got those mixed up. I'm sorry. Um, that's about a battle of the bands, and that's really all there is to say about that one. Yeah, not much. Not much to say. The fourth one is about all of the pony girls. Please don't <laughs> going to a camp. And Legend of Everfree. And it actually turned out to be a pretty, pretty good movie. It had a nice twist. You thought this one character was going to be the bad guy, and it was, in fact, his sister who ended up being the bad guy. It was by far the most interesting and watchable of these movies. It was the best plotted yes. by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it took place in, a more easy, in an easier-to-understand environment, because one thing that you should note is we have a lot of questions about the world of Equestria Girls. There are so many questions. First and foremost, on my mind, and it's been a while, like we're doing all this from memory, but I mean, we have extensively discussed all of these movies here on Movie Fighters. You can go back to the archives and, and listen to them. We know that there is a humanoid Twilight Sparkle that existed alongside the pony Twilight Sparkle when she came to the land of the Equestria Girls. She is the Twilight Sparkle that appears in Legend of Everfree. Right. Because, like, she's a second... She's the... Okay, so there's Pony World, Humanoid World. Yeah, the Pony Twilight Sparkle by Legend of Everfree has gone back to the Pony World, although there is a teaser about her possibly coming back to the Equestria Girls world in, in some future installment. Here's my question. Do we ever... Is it ever addressed that, like, there should be a Sunset Shimmer? In this world, did Sensei Shiver, like, murder her counterpart when she was, like, a bad guy? That is implied in the first movie. Is it? That she has committed a murder. Yikes! 
So one of our big questions about this series of movies is about the world itself, because the characters that are the the queen, like the leaders of an entire nation in regular My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, mm-hmm. they are the principal and vice principal of the high school in Equestria Girls, which would seem to indicate that a high school is equivalent to an entire country between these two worlds, which makes us believe that maybe the town is the entirety of the world. But then they went on that long trip to the camp? I spoke to... But to be fair, to be fair, in the regular My Little Pony continuity, I know, and it's been a while since I've watched it, I'm not up on seasons, I've kind of drifted away from it over the past few years, Uh, but I do know that the ever-free forest in Equestria... The, the pony world is out of the bounds of the kingdom. It is it is a separate geographic and political entity. I spoke to our mutual friend uh, Talisha, who has a child mm-hmm. and has watched Rainbow Rocks with her numerous times, and I brought up these questions, and Talisha basically just said, "Yeah, there's a there's a larger world, of course." I'm glad that she can come to that conclusion. I do not have evidence. We are not presented with any evidence to that effect. Also, there's more than an ample chance that even though I believe some of the characters have siblings, parents are a big question mark. I remember we saw the we we saw the one where they had a sleepover and they had the sleepover at Pinkie Pie's house, which is weird because Pinkie Pie is one of the like in the, in Equestria, like we see Pinkie Pie's parents at one point, so she's like the only one who canonically has parents that we do not see in the humanoid world. Also, they go to at one point they go to Applejack's house. Is that where the sleepover is? I don't remember, but there is a scene at some point in some movie in Applejack's house, and from all appearances, she lives alone. Yeah, a very. The movie asks us to think about these things and then does not do the work. I mean, it, 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 by virtue of the fact that they ended the friendship games without a decisive winner means that they do not care about us, the audience. (laughs) I think maybe, okay. On the one hand, Matt, I think you missed the point of that movie, but on the other hand, yes, (laughs) they should have had a winner. Okay, so what we're saying is there are a lot of questions. And so we're going to watch Tales of Canterlot High to see if in in a TV series form, there are only three episodes, so it's I don't... It's like an OAV from the 90s. It is exactly like an OAV. Um, will there be answers to our numerous questions? We must watch and we must know. So we are going to take a break and watch uh, these episodes, and we will come back and we will let you know. Before that, though... Chris, it's time for the hottest segment in all of podcasting. It's time for Snack Situation. Chris, uh, so we were snacking on dinner. It's Saturday night. It's Saturday night, and uh, the meal that we had planned didn't really work out like we thought it would. So uh, we took the refuge of all cowards. Which is two medium Domino's pizzas for five ninety nine each. Uh, I'm eating a double pep. 
Chris has as a Hawaiian in front I of him. I have a Hawaiian, which was requested by my wife, who then went to bed before the pizzas arrived. So we're going to be eating pizza and watching Equestria Girls. If you would like to watch Equestria Girls Tales of Canelot High, all three episodes are available on Netflix now. You can stream them presently. Okay. Before we, before we do it, prediction. Are we coming away from this with more questions or more answers? Because four movies in a row, it's been more questions. Based on prior experience, I'm going to say more questions, but I'm going to hope for more answers. Okay, let's do this then. You're going to hear an ad and a little musical cue, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about... Well, I usually say the movie. We're going to talk about the series, Equestria Girls, Tales of Canterlot High. And we are back from watching Equestria Girls, Tales of Canterlot High, episodes one through three. That was quite a ride. Couple things. Uh, first, it's very difficult to do this show with you here in the room with me because I I feel like when you're here, I can't just play Nintendo Switch for the entire time that we're supposed to be paying attention to the movie. I actually have to watch it. That's very difficult. Second thing is. I was dead on when I said this was an OAV, because it absolutely is. It is It is essentially a movie just divided into three episodes. Yeah. There, is, there is an arc that runs through all three very tightly connected episodes. Yet, we also made the observation after our f- the first episode that each one felt like its own movie. Uh-huh. And and felt as long as a movie. They they had as much plot as we noticed being in the other movies, where like which were pretty plot thin and filled with like songs, and I guess what you would call subplots and character bits. Like notably, Stinko Man, the character we have <laughs> dubbed Stinko Man. I forgot about Stinko Man. Does not appear in. This series at all? He is out. He is gone. His contract ran out. Because yeah, right. Because um, we we have a lot of new characters coming into this. By the end of this, the seven main characters have potentially become nine main characters. This is a real Infinity War situation where there's a lot going on. I will say this: it does not feel like we have only been watching this for sixty six minutes. It feels like we recorded the intro one year ago. Yes. yes. Um, but this one really pulled it out at the end. In the same way that Legend of Everfree did, this one really comes together in Act 3. I am not sure I agree. Like, Okay, let's start with... You did not do the research. I did some research while we were watching. We'll get to the research. Okay. Uh, so let's start with Episode 1. Dance Magic. Dance Magic. Dan- this episode... Uh, the basic plot is... The girls are attempting to raise money to repair Camp Everfree, seemingly from the damage that was incurred during the Camp Everfree movie. Yes, because there was a Satan that showed up and and wrecked house. The third Satan of the series. The third Satan. He has many forms. (laughs) 
just wait until <laughs> just wait until we get to the sixth Satan, because that's the number of the beast. Six is not the number of the beast. Well, okay. If the man, if a man is five. <laughs> If a man is five, then the devil is six, and God is seven. What's a pony? <laughs> this just got too real. What's a mob to a king? <laughs> it honestly, God, feels like it's four a.m. I think it's like maybe ten thirty. It's yeah, it's eleven at the latest. Okay, here's what occurs in episode one. The girls are attempting to raise this money. They've, they've started a number of fundraisers, but they have not come close to raising the amount of money that they need to repair the camp. Which is itself like weirdly dystopian. Because they, like, they had a bake sale. They had a car wash. They had like all the traditional money-making schemes that you would expect from teenagers who don't have superpowers. But they don't have parents. Their parents would have been the people coming to their fundraisers and sp- and spending money the only person we see come to a car wash which is the fundraiser at the beginning mm-hmm. is applejack's brother yeah big mac big macintosh he's the only person we see but there are adults in this world there are adults but they don't have parents or other family members who would be coming to give them money for these fundraisers cuz any time like okay Chris, I don't know if you were in a youth group. There's a youth group fundraiser. The people who come to those fundraisers are the youth group's own parents and maybe other members of the church, not other adults from the community. Here is my question. They're a band. Yeah. Why don't they just play some shows? Fuck if I know. (laughs) The... They're not only a band, Matt, when they play music and feel the power of friendship, they grow wings. <laughs> they won a battle of the bands. They won a battle of the bands. Just like play a sh- like literally play a fundraiser. Instead, what happens is Rarity, it's a Rarity-centric episode, the first one. She goes to the mall because she claims that she has a fundraiser in mind that is going to raise all the money they need, but she actually doesn't have an idea. So she goes to the mall. Zero consequences for lying to her friends, by the way. Rarity learns no lessons through this entire episode, and I kept waiting for them to learn something. Of the three episodes, this one has the most standard plot. Yeah, it feels most like... It feels like they started this one thinking that they were going to do a TV series. And they got around to number three, and they were just like, "We're this is it. We're done. We're, we're not doing any more. But there's really a defined arc. Like There, yeah. re- there really isn't a one, two, three arc. There, there's an act one, an act two, and an act three where the last two acts come together. Yeah, acts two and three definitely are connected. Act one only kind of comes into play in Act 3. But it does come back. As set dressing. Well, no, because Act 1 leads directly to Act 2, because that's how they get in with George Romero. We'll get to that. (laughs) Okay. So, at the mall, she's trying to rack her brain to come up with a fundraiser. She sees an ad 
for a video contest run by the mall, which looks like an absolute fucking scam. Total scam. It looks like those modeling scams that people get into in high school where they're like, we're going to hire you to be a model, but you got to pay us up front. For your headshots. Headshots. So she sees this ad. It's for people to submit videos. Whoever's gonna have, whoever has the best video, the video will be played at the mall, and there's also a cash prize. The cash prize is not stated, but we find out from Rarity later that it is more than double what they need to fix Camp Everfree. Which is weird, because... <sighs> I understand that like a fundraiser has a fundraiser goal, but that kind of implies that there is like that they have received the bill for fixing camp ever free, right? Yeah, that's weird. I mean, maybe the repairs are done and it's all on a credit card. And and what's what's his name? Pine nuts. Yeah, pine nuts. <laughs> I was just looking at what his name was, but yeah, Pine Nuts is like, guys, there's, this is a high-interest loan. Yeah, we got to get it paid off this month. So they decide what they're going to do is they're going to make a video for this contest. Rarity's idea is that Rarity runs into Sour Sweet and the other girls from Crystal Prep from friendship games and it's here that she says oh i haven't seen you guys in a while and they go what are you talking about it's only been a few months since the friendship games so we're starting to establish a timeline yeah it has been it feels like we've been doing this our entire lives but in the in the i feel like i'm 200 years old in the show it's been a few months since the friendship games camp everfree was a summer camp and i feel like I feel like Sunset Shimmer's original transformation into a Satan was like the end of that school year. Right? Or was it not? I don't remember. Because it, it feels like it's been less than a year that, that this has been happening. That feels right. Okay. So the Crystal Prep girls, who are the rival high school from the Friendship game, so that's coming back. And it's like a private school. They wear uniforms. Yeah. Not as creepy as it sounds when we really say it. But like they just wear like school uniforms. They're like vests and and skirts, but they're conservative. Yeah, Rarity's like, "Hey guys, I see you're running this contest. Sweet, I've got an awesome idea. It's gonna win." And Sour Sweet, who I I love Sour Sweet because she always says like a sweet thing and then like under her breath a mean thing. Very good gimmick. Very good name tying her in. Um, none of the other characters are named. Like we don't like I remember them having names and gimmicks from friendship games because they're like the there's like the grumpy girl with the white hair with the white hair never named here characters are not named we're just getting through we're we're blowing through the plot of this uh, on the show it's like plot is moving so much faster than it ever moves in any of the movies this is literally when I turned to you and I said I'll say this it's moving at a clip yeah. So Rarity's like, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know what your idea is for this, but I'm going to get my crew together, and everybody's going to be dancing a different style. We're going to have hip-hop. We're going to have country line dancing. We're going to have street ballet, which is a thing they say several times, and I don't know if that's a thing. Like, we're just supposed to know what it is. Yeah, street ballet. You know street ballet. At one point, Rarity looks at someone and goes, that's a street ballet, too, too. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, what is that in the street ballet tutu? Okay, so yes, Rarity actually tells the Crystal Prep girls about it, about this, before she tells the rest of the Equestria girls. When she tells the Equestria girls about it, she's like, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have all these different styles of dance. We're also going to have costumes. But for this to work, we're going to have to spend the money we've raised through our other fundraisers on the costumes. Uh, and it turns out it's a gamble. It's a gamble. But they agree to it. They start filming their video, and it is a bit of a disaster. Because they're not good dancers. They're not good at dancing. They're ripping each other's costumes. Um, there's a there's a costume malfunction that occurs. Also sounds worse than it is. It's just a tear in a jacket. Tear in a jacket, that's all. Um, and Rarity takes to get that repaired, because they got to get this thing done. As she's doing that, she catches the Crystal Prep girls filming their dance video at the mall. They have stolen Rarity's idea. Because here's the deal. Crystal Prep, they've agreed to let them have the prom, or the, the dance. A dance. A dance on a yacht. Which, honestly, is a bullshit motive. Like, that's a very... Like, they're going to have the dance regardless. Like, at one point, they're like, what are we supposed to have the dance at a boring old school? Oh, like, you're, you're really nice, rich people school? Yeah, you can have to dance at the fucking cafeteria. We're trying to fix this camp that a Satan destroyed. It's a rich people school. Somebody there probably owns a yacht anyway. One of their... Well, nobody has parents, so never mind. Yeah. So, um, what's happened is the principal, who is, is Principal Cadence, who was in... She was in the Friendship Games, right? Don't remember. But yeah. Cadence is... In the regular main show. She's agreed to let them have the dance on the yacht, but she has also put the onus on the children to pay for the yacht rental, which is a power move from an educational administration standpoint. Like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Um, you can pay the bill. Hey, private schools, buck wild. So, here's the deal. The girls from Crystal Prep are good dancers. Yeah, and, and Twilight, who constantly has her hair in a ponytail and wears glasses to distinguish her from the Twilight who came to this earth from the pony world. Who's normally a horse. <laughs> yeah, the Twilight is normally a horse. This is humanoid. This is permanently humanoid Twilight. Is like, guys, they're exceptional dancers. <laughs> I've seen them. So they're good dancers, but they don't have good ideas. They had to steal an idea. The girls from Canterlot High have great ideas, but they don't have dance talent. I think we see where this is going. Yes. We're, we're building toward a team-up. Before we get there, Rarity decides, okay, we got to do something else for our video because the Crystal Prep girls have stolen our idea. So there's a whole sequence of everybody trying to come up with different ideas for videos. Um, like they're stealing ideas from another book. Well, uh, well, okay. So the first idea is Applejack's, and Applejack's idea is, what if we're at school, but we're eating? Right. She's hungry. Right. And then uh, Rainbow Dash's idea is, oh, what if we're in the jungle, and there's like some adventure shit going on. And then Twilight's like, hey, that's the plot of the latest Daring Do book. Which leads into Daring Do in the next episode. Which is going to come back in the next episode. It's very tightly plotted. I will give them that. And then we get a Pinkie Pie sequence 
that is nonsense, but is like instead of being like just the girls in a different situation, it's like scribble animated. The animation on that part is very good. If, while we're talking about animation, can we talk about the bullshit that is the opening credits of this show? Oh, it's very bad. Uh, what are their little symbols called? They're called cutie marks. Okay, so their cutie marks come up on the screen. The various Equestria girls come up in front of their cutie marks. I believe it is Rainbow Dash, and Equestria Girl's logo appears in front of her. She kicks it over to the My Little Pony logo, and it all like fits together in a logo. And then the entire th- opening theme song is just, Equestria Girls! That's it. And then they do a title card. The title cards are dope. The title cards are very dope. Can we talk about how weird it is that like the addition to the My Little Pony logo that makes it the My Little Pony colon Equestria Girls logo is that Equestria Girls is written in a horseshoe, which is itself fucked up because they don't wear horseshoes because they're humans. They're it's not a human shoe. They're not horses anymore. They're not horses anymore. It should be a fucking. <laughs> Nike. It should be a Vitruvian man because now they are humans. (laughs) I do like the idea of it being Jordans. Like, like hanging. Yeah. Like, off the logo. Okay. So. But but, what gets me about the the opening credits is the opening credits for the movies are so involved. They're like James Bond opening credits. Yeah. But I think it's a runtime thing because Ooh. the runtime again, the movie's plot light, and so there's lots of filler in the movies. Those opening credit sequences are pretty long in the movies. That opening credit sequence is fifteen seconds max. It's it's quick. It's quicker than heck up. So Rarity, like after she's like, Hey, guess what guys? All of your ideas are trash garbage. Uh, and she goes to drown her sorrows at a Denny's <laughs> She's eating ice cream, I believe. Yeah. And that's when she hears the, the Crystal Prep girls bemoaning that they won't be able to have a waterborne prom. A prom upon in international waters where they can hunt men for sport or whatever it is they do. They have a team up. They win the contest. That's why it's established early on that it's more than double what they need so they can evenly split it and everybody can get what they want. Very convenient. Also, that cash payout comes but quick. Also, it costs as much to rent a yacht as it does to fix an entire summer camp that has been demolished by a Satan. It's a nice yacht. It's a nice yacht. Also, you wouldn't want to have a dance on a yacht. Like, even a large yacht isn't like, I don't know, maybe a big yacht. I don't don't know about yachts. People have parties on yachts. Yeah, you'd have a party. I don't don't know. The parties include dancing. I know what a party includes, Matt. <laughs> also, uh, it all culminates in like a music video, but it is the only musical musical number in the entirety of the three episodes, whereas the average movie would have five to six musical numbers. Gotta sell that soundtrack album to Ben Gully so that he can listen to it in the car with his daughter. On episode two... Chris, the the Netflix like screensaver thing came up, and Chris is mesmerized by it. I don't know what this is. I've never Netflix has produced so much content that is just getting lost because like there's just not enough time. What is this? It's Club of Crows. I don't know what it is. And what's this? Daredevil. That 
Is he like, is he a Satan? Yeah, he's a Satan. Okay. Let's talk about episode two. Yeah. So that was called Dance Magic. Right. Episode two, Movie Magic. Movie Magic. Uh, the premise of episode two is that the girls are on set at the filming of the of the Daring Do movie. Daring Do, if you've watched the regular show, is a series of books that are like essentially they're written by A.K. Yearling, which is a very funny like J.K. Rowling uh, pun. So they're meant to be like the My Little Pony equivalent of like the Harry Potter books, but they're like men's adventure jungle action novels, which is not a particularly prominent genre in the year of our Lord two thousand and eighteen. No, all all of this stuff feels very old Hollywood. Okay, we talked about whether this would raise more questions than it answers. I would say significantly more questions. Agreed. And part one of the huge questions I have is that they seem to be in the same town where their high school is. The town that they live in is Hollywood. <laughs> it is a place where movies are made. Many of them. There's a soundstage. It's a huge studio. It's, because they're filming at least three, they're filming two movies and have filmed a third movie on a different set that is and still there quite amount of time ago and that is still there and has not been struck. Okay, look, we got to go through this because we're losing we're losing the threads. So there's a director who looks like George Romero. We think he's supposed to look like Steven Spielberg, maybe, but he looks like George Romero because his hair is green, which makes it look gray. And so he just looks like fucking... And he's got George Romero glasses. And his name is Cantor. Yes. Which is also bullshit, because Canterlot is already a pun on the word Cantor. You can't... You can't just... can't just throw that in there. There are only so many words for trot on thesaurus.com. We have so many horse terms. His name could be Steven Saddleberg. That's off the top of my fucking head. Steven Saddleberg. <laughs> there you go there you go so um he's directing this movie uh it's the daring do movie everybody's very excited the reason the girls are on the set this is the continuity that gets tight he's an alumnus of camp everfree right which just in saying that makes me feel like this is like a wet hot american summer 10 years later situation waiting to happen sure He's an alumnus, and it's the least he could do for the girls that saved the camp. Presumably he means from financial ruin, from having to rebuild. He may also mean from when there was a Satan attack. Probably both. Probably both. So, obviously, this is Rainbow Dash's favorite book. It's being turned into a movie. So she's on set, and she's also like giving constructive criticism to keep him from getting yelled at by superfans. She's like, oh, hey, this guy has not assumed this identity he would not be referring to himself in this name. He would be using, like, like how, um, like, oh, he would be called Strider at this point and not Aragorn, son of Arathorn. You know, like that kind of level of detail. I mean, that should have been she should have been doing that in the script writing process, not when the movie was being made. But sure, not literally on this soundstage where they are filming. Right. I do really like that they're filming on a soundstage, though, and there are sets. I appreciate that. There's probably a lot of really cool matte paintings in the Equestria Girls universe that probably look like they were made in a flash animation factory. 
it, it, it's hard to place the Equestria Girls universe in time because it is very old. This is very old Hollywood. In the next episode, they're talking about texting and you know stuff on modern smartphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows? The movie's running into some problems because the star of the movie, whose name is Chestnut Magnifico, beautiful. Uh, her contract is up in the middle of filming this movie. Again, weird old Hollywood shit. Okay. The only thing... Okay. This is weird for so many reasons. Because, okay, the contract being up would have to be like an old Hollywood studio contract kind of deal where people sign contracts with studios, but usually those are multi... Like, for a certain number of movies, those wouldn't even be up in the middle of a movie. But what is stated is that she has to go, like, narrate a documentary? But that's we find that out later that she's that she's trying to because she comes out of her trailer and she's like shut it down get me she's talking to her agent on the phone she's like get me the freak out of this contract and then it turns out that she's going to she doesn't want to shut this down she wants to shut down a, a project that she has also signed a contract for which is narrating a documentary about nests yes so. What we pay good money for Karina Longworth to take a look at this studio system, as depicted in the Equestria Girls movies, for an episode of You Must Remember This. Sure. So, basically what we have here, the situation that we have in this episode, is what we're going to call a Scooby-Doo. Oh, it becomes a full-on Scooby-Doo. Because we learn that someone is sabotaging the production of this daring do movie in the middle of an attempt to do a big shot a volcano set is destroyed and we don't know at you know at this point who is causing the destruction but suspicion is cast immediately on chestnut magnifico because she seems to be being difficult they heard her talking about shutting something down, and they found a wrapper for one of her favorite candy bars right next to the volcano set just before uh, that accident occurred. A few other characters have been introduced at this point that could also be sabotaging things. There's an actor who I don't believe is named, but he's the villain of the piece, mm-hmm. an actor with a mustache. Um, and then there is the director's niece who sort of has access to everything around the the lot, around the set, and uh, she basically is a gopher who goes and does everything for everybody. Yeah, and her name is Juniper Montage. Correct. It's a very good name. And she's Stephen Saddlebags' niece. Spoiler, she's sabotaging the movie. Oh, it's very obvious. Yeah. Because you know it's not the obvious one. Um, and when we say this turns into a Scooby-Doo, there's like there's like a running through the sets chase scene. There's also a scene where our Equestria girls are rushed onto a set of another movie with a director who looks like Joss Whedon. We'll just call him Jorts Weldon. Jorts Weezen. <sighs> Saddlebags. No. I'm with Chaps? Chaps. Chaps Wheatfield. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so that is one where they are like put in movie superhero costumes and 
Jorts Wheat or Chaps Wheatfield looks at them and says, "Oh, these aren't the actresses I hired," and like I guess fires his PA. Yeah, there's a weird gag about how they're like scooped up by the PA and made to put on costumes and get a set. Then they never take off those costumes. Then they never take off those costumes. So that the production of that movie is held up indefinitely. I was about to say, like, surely there are more than like they get they make multiple costumes for a movie, but like God only knows in this thing. They need those costumes back. Okay. So they're filming a superhero movie because they're wearing superhero suits that just happen to be tailored to their own personal looks. Like Rarity has a bunch of diamonds. Fluttershy has, incorporates uh, butterflies. The only one who, who isn't is Sunset Shimmer, who looks like she's playing like a green-haired Medusa from the Inhumans. Um, it's like a superhero movie. It's called The Power Ponies. And first of all, props to the world of Equestria Girls for a big-budget superhero movie with six female leads. That's seven, I guess. Progressive. Because Twilight's there, too. Um, second, ten minutes after this scene, I turned to Matt and I was like, hang on, did he call that movie The Power Ponies? They're not fucking ponies in this reality. They're humans. They're humans. It's very weird. Like, look, I get that my guy is named Batman, but there's man in there. You can't just call them Power Ponies if they're not actually ponies. The entire point of this franchise is that they're not ponies. I mean, what we've what we learn... If there is an answer to a question, it's that even though the world of Equestria Girls is not – they are humans, not horses. It is obsessed with horses. Yeah. Okay. So here's my question. Here's my question. We've been calling them po- like the pony world of Equestria and the human world Canterlot High and its environs. It's very confusing because the humans are called Equestria Girls, but Equestria is the land of the ponies. Here's my question. The world of Canterlot High and its environs that includes, apparently, this soundstage and Camp Everfree. Are they humans? Or is that just what horses look like in that reality? To my recollection, we have never seen a horse in this reality. We know that a dragon turns into a dog. Apparently, cats are equivalent to cats. Yes. Because... Who is it that has the cat? Rarity has a cat. Okay. Opal. Okay. Rarity's cat from the regular pony universe is a cat in this universe. Yes. Perhaps there are no horses in the world of Equestria Girls. It's just that horses look like humans. Because when the Equestria Girls turn into angel beings... They grow horse ears and tails. Okay. That raises a big question about the first movie, which is when they, their school mascot, the Wonder Colts. Shit. Are horse, because they wear fake horse ears like kitty cat ears. So where did they, but (laughs) where, why, what is happening in any of this. If you and I, Matt, went through a portal to another world where we were ocelots and we were like, whoa, this is fucked up. We're ocelots. Revolver ocelots? Sure. I don't know what that is. Metal Gear. I know. If we go there, then we're like, what the fuck? We're ocelots. Is someone going to be like, yeah, we're all ocelots? Or is someone going to be like, what are you talking about? We're all people. I don't know. Okay. I cannot answer this question. Losing the plot. Point being, 
just by virtue of introducing a humanoid super team. Presumably, like this is this is this Earth's Avengers, right? They're called the Power Ponies. Why? <laughs> they have shattered my understanding of how this world works. We do not get an answer to that question. Maybe they transform into pump ponies, and that's like their power. <laughs> oh, also speaking of powers, um, this episode reminds us that. All of the Equestria girls have superpowers that are turned on by geodes that they wear around their necks. Yeah, they got those in Legend of Everfree. And so there's a sequence where Rainbow Dash uses her super speed to try to find the saboteur, but instead gets ends up getting locked in a closet. And again, I'm not I'm not saying they need to like rob a bank, but if you have like telekinesis and like super speed you could make money like it's the first five pages of spider-man <laughs> we yeah, become a pro wrestler become a pro wrestler go th- go pick up crusher hogan and carry him up a pole that's at the corner of the ring for some reason okay one other thing so book in that territory you know it Another thing that I think we have to mention uh-huh. is that there's a sequence where all the girls walk onto a movie set. This shit's buck wild. <laughs> it is clearly a parody of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. It's called Stormy with a Chance of Pudding, which is so much grosser. It's so gross. So, so the set is just like a town, like the main street of a town, but... There's pudding all over the buildings. There's pudding actually everywhere, and which leads to a thing where Rainbow Dash leaves behind a trail that the other girls follow to find her in the closet she's locked in. It is imp- you and I are writers. Yes, we are writers of fiction as well as nonfiction. I cannot, for the life of me, comprehend what order things were come up with in this script. Did was it like? Okay, we need there to be a trail that will lead them to Rainbow. Like, where did they start to work backwards from a trail of pudding leading to this set of Stormy with a Chance of Pudding? Here's the baffling thing. Insane. Uh, is it Pinkie Pie? It's Pinkie Pie. Pinkie Pie goes running onto the set, and she starts talking about how this is the set of Stormy with a Chance of Pudding. It's my favorite movie. It's my favorite movie. I've tried to get you all to watch it. So, either this set is the same set or a rebuilt version of the original set that's being used for a sequel. The set from the original movie, which has been out for enough time for Pinkie Pie to have seen it multiple times and tried to get her friends to watch it. And has not been struck or taken down and has just been left up in this studio. Or Stormy with a Chance of Pudding is is like just continually being made. There is a third possibility. Which is that this is a Universal Studios situation and there's like a Stormy with a Chance of Pudding attraction. That you like get like they take you through and But the they're set. on like closed sets. They're not on like the the visitor tour. They are on closed sets. But they run <laughs> Here's the fucked up part. P- 
Pinkie Pie goes, I heard they used real pudding. And then she takes her finger and puts it in the pudding and eats it. Bare mins that pudding has been there since the movie was being filmed. How long does it take a movie to, like, wrap production and get into theaters? Months. At a minimum, like, a month or two. But sometimes movies stay on the shelf for two or three years before they get released. This pudding's so old. It grossed me out, like, on a visceral level. And I would eat Domino's pizza tonight. Pinkie Pie also takes a bucket of that pudding and puts it in her hair. Yeah, and you know what never comes back? That never comes back. That is never brought up again. She puts it, she she stores it in her hair. There's not a lid on it. It's, it, that grossed me out. It's bad. This entire scene is bad. So Rainbow Dash gets locked in a closet by the perpetrator, who's at this point wearing a full-ass evil sorcerer outfit. A cloak, yeah. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. They find her, whatever. They... She hid some props. Uh, and they find the props. Yeah. It turns out it's Juniper Montage trying to fuck up the movie production because she doesn't like Chestnut Magnifico and she wanted to be cast in the lead. Which is nuts because she is not an actress. And her uncle is the director. Her uncle is the director. And that's nepotism. Which could happen. I'll give them that. I mean, like, you know, like, people people cast their relatives and things all the time. Sure. But she's not an... Like, she, like, he literally tells her, you have no experience. And I was watching this, and I'm like, Juniper, this is clearly a tentpole franchise film. They are not going to cast an unknown. Chestnut Magnifico at least has, like, was on a soap, right? It had to be. Definitely came from a soap. But Chestnut Magnifico, we learn, was not trying to get out of her contract for this movie. She was trying to get out of the documentary that she'd been pulled into. She she shows up and she says, hey, I got out of the documentary. All's going to be well with this movie. And I think we're going to get the Equestria Girls here, a little cameo in the film. So we see them filming. They get into some stereotype costumes. And uh, I they guess you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you haven't, it's very good. It is very good. But the you know the scene where they're running through the bazaar, it's that scene. They're so they end up in the movie. Also, uh would you say these are prominent roles? They're extra roles. Yeah, they're like kind of in the background. Yeah, like they're, they're, at best you would call them cameos. Yeah, but they get to be on the poster. They get to be on the poster in the corner, just drawings of their heads. It occurs to me that might just be stickers that have been put on the poster at their local theater, but we'll get to that. Also, uh, worth noting, Juniper Montage is escorted by security off the set. She is fired. And, and escorted and, and is able to stop and like turn and give them a menacing look. Yes. Yeah. So that's movie magic. That leads into the next episode, which is called Mirror Magic, where we learn that Juniper is still angry, but her uncle, Stephen Saddlebags, has managed to get her a job at the local movie theater because he pulled the, some strings for her to be able to work there. Just so happens that is also the movie theater where the premiere 
of this new movie is happening. Starring or starring these extras, the Equestria Girls. I feel okay. Depending on if we want to assume Talisha style that there is a larger world. Okay. If we do that, it makes sense that the girls' local theater in their local shopping mall, that they would be like, hey, we're in the movie, and they would advertise that as like a, hey, come see the premiere of this movie with these local girls who are in the movie. Right? Right. Yeah. That part makes sense to me. Assuming that this is like that, that's how this world works. Because this is a this is not just a a theater; it's a theater in the mall from the first episode. The mall does appear in that first episode, right? How, hey, how weird is it that this is called Tales of Canterlot High, and there might be two scenes in the whole thing that take place in the high school? Oh, there's one coming up. There is one coming up. Okay. Well, it takes place outside the high school, but so Sunset Shimmer, Sun Shim. Uh, she gets a nickname in this episode. I think it's very cute. I like that part a lot. Kind of comes out of nowhere. It does kind of come out of nowhere. She's writing in her magic journal to Princess Twilight. Let's let's stick with Juniper Montage for one second. Okay. She's getting very angry. She has this job at the movie theater. She doesn't really like it. This is the most baffling thing that happens in this whole series. She's walking around in the mall... Oh, this is never explained. Never. Yeah. She walks by a sunglass kiosk, which also happens to be selling hand mirrors. Some sort of otherworldly magic blasts through the ceiling of the mall, or like through a like a like a skylight, changes one of the mirrors into like a magic mirror. That when she looks in it, she sees like a movie star version of herself. Okay, I didn't notice that. I thought she just bought a magic mirror at the Sunglass Hut. The mirror gets changed by outside magic. I wonder if that's something that happened on the main show. Where they like there was a magic mirror and they like defeated it and then it like went away. And they're like, well, we don't have to deal with that anymore. It does seem like a possibility that maybe it's coming from Pony Equestria. Because this episode ties back into Pony Equestria. Yeah, and wasn't there a whole thing maybe in Legend of Everfree where like the barrier between the two worlds was breaking down? Yeah, it sounds right. There was just a lightning bolt outside and I saw Chris's eyes get big. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Um, okay. We got some thunder, baby. We're not editing this, so yeah. The thunder rolls. <laughs> Lightning strikes. She gets this magic mirror that is giving her an idealized version of herself. Meanwhile, Sun Shim is writing in her magic journal that is basically her texting Princess Twilight, the horse. The horse. And she fills it up, and she's like... You know, like, I'm just going to go talk to her. And so she goes to the magic... Or, or no, Twilight tells her to come to Equestria. Right, because she's going to give her a new blank journal that they can use to communicate. Right. So she goes out to the... Like, as you might remember, there's a statue 
outside of Canterlot High, where the pedestal is actually a portal to another world. That is the portal between Equestria and the human world. The humanoid world. Because they're not quite human. Some of them are green. Or, or blue. Sunshim goes through. And we see now that in Princess Twilight's castle, there's a machine hooked up to the portal that apparently can open and close it independently of its magic. Because remember, that was a big deal in the first one that she only had like three days before the portal would close. Right. It, the, the portal originally would only open for certain periods of time and then it would permanently close or it would close until it opened again. They, they seem to have exerted some kind of control over use of the portal. Right. So Sunset Shimmer goes in there. She lands. She becomes a pony, which is interesting because it's the first time we've seen that in a while. Well, she she used to be a pony, but it's been a long, long time. Yes. Now she turns back into a pony, and we genuinely get like the funniest scene in all three episodes, which is when she's forgetting she no longer has fingers, and she's trying to walk on two legs. And she and she does. Yeah, she like sits. Like a human, which is weird, and like also forgets that she has unicorn magic now. Right. Because unicorns have telekinesis in My Little Pony, in case you didn't know. She also meets Starlight Glimmer. Starlight Glimmer, which is also a synonym of Sunset Shimmer and Twilight Sparkle. We are told that she is Twilight Sparkle's student. Matt, would you like to hear some backstory that I found out about Sunset Glimmer? Please lay that on me. Okay, well, she's a communist. Great. She originally appears in an episode where she has founded a village where she has taken away people's cutie marks so that they can all live as equals because the cutie marks are stratifying the classes. I love this. Yes. Also, I'm on her side. Yes. It's down with the monarchy. <laughs> down with the monarchy. Down with destiny. Uh, don't let people sort you into boxes, kids. Okay. Then, after that is dealt with, uh, she goes back in time and creates a dystopia. Baller. She goes back in time. And, okay, apparently, while I have not been watching, like, season five of My Little Pony sounds like it's bonans. She goes back in time, stops Rainbow Dash from doing a Sonic Rainboom the first time. That's where she... This flies so fast it creates an explosive rainbow. And this destroys the world, and the Crystal Empire is in open war against Equestria, and all of like our regular characters are like jungle-dwelling commandos who murder. What? <laughs> that is Sunset Glimmer's backstory. Uh, Moonlight Glimmer? Starlight Glimmer. Starlight Glimmer. Starlight Glimmer. Yeah. Sunset Shimmer. Starlight Glimmer. Twilight Sparkle. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what's up with her. So then she eventually is like... She, then she becomes a monarchist? She Well, she becomes good because what happened was that her best friend, his cutie mark, determined that he had to go away to the castle and she was always really resentful of that. But So they have convinced her to not bring down society. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how good it is that it's like, hey, accept the monarchy and the stratification of society... It's certainly pretty weird that these are themes introduced into the show. Yeah. So she becomes human. 
Sons of Ishimura was like, hey, okay, cool. Um, I miss having fingers and opposable thumbs. I'm going to go back to the humanoid world. Starlight. Starlight Glimmer. Glimmer, yeah. Starlight Glimmer's like, sweet, can I come? And there's a very funny bit where she's like, would Twilight think that was okay? And she's like, I don't know that Twilight wouldn't think it's okay. Which is repeated later in the episode. Because Twilight and her friends are off on an adventure. Yeah, because apparently now, now that Twilight Sparkle's a princess, they have a magic map that tells them where friendship problems are. Which is the only thing that survives the destruction of her castle in the alternate uh, dystopia timeline. Wild. Yes. Uh, So they go to the humanoid world. Um, and she's like, hey, just take a low profile. I've never run into a version of you over here, so you shouldn't have a problem of meeting yourself or us having to, like, murder your double, which we are pretty sure Sunset Shimmer did. So Starlight Glimmer comes into the humanoid world very much dressed for a fish concert. Yeah, she's got a little hat. And ripped stockings. Yeah. It's not like it's not a bad look. It's not a bad look, but she's definitely going to a fish show. Yes. So God Almighty. Um, or some jam band. Okay, so back to Juniper Montage. Juniper Montage hilariously keeps looking at herself in the mirror, and then when someone will like talk to her, her, she, her boss. Her boss talks to her, and she shows him the mirror. As though he is going to see her, which is definitely not how mirrors work, nor is it how this show presents mirrors working. No, he, she says, who does this look like to you when she shows him the mirror? And he just sees himself in the mirror, and he goes, I don't know, somebody who looks like they're about to fire somebody. Yeah. She's like, does this look like someone who's going who's gonna to clean up popcorn? And he goes, no, it looks like somebody's about to fire you. But... Then okay, okay. she then she starts cleaning up the popcorn with the mirror because the mirror grants her wishes. When she says, "I wish I could clean up this popcorn," or "I wish this mirror would clean up this popcorn," she it's says, I wish this popcorn would clean itself up so that I could go back to looking at this mirror. And then it does, like it sucks up the popcorn. I have a huge question about Juniper Montage. How old is she? Couldn't tell you. Because she's. Supposed to be the same age as the girls, because they're hanging out at the end. Spoiler warning. But they're, like, are they all supposed to be like roughly seventeen? They're in. They're in high school. Yeah. But like, she's acting like she can't quit this job in this economy. <laughs> like, if she hates the job that much, just quit the job, Juniper. But her uncle got her the job. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. Okay, why does she have to have a job if the other girls don't? If they're the same age, do you get what I'm saying? Like, is she is she 26 and she's like, I got fired from my other job. I need to do something or else I can't make my car payment. Or is she just like a teen? We're not going to answer this question. Okay. It's so very confusing. So she's using the mirror to wish for things. Eventually, the Equestria Girls sans Sunset Shimmer show up at the movie theater for the premiere of this new movie that they're in, the Daring Do movie. They encounter Montage 
What's her first name? Juniper. Juniper Montage. And Is that like a horse word? I mean, they don't all have to be horse words. I mean, Rainbow Dash. It's a movie word. Juniper? Montage. Yeah, I know montage is. Juniper's not. Jesus, Matt. So, she wishes that the various Equestria girls were uh, gone, and the mirror sucks them in and takes them into a horrible limbo. A, a white void with a portal through which things can enter but not leave, it seems. Yes, so popcorn is coming in there still because she's still cleaning up popcorn and, like, candy. Um, and that is where they are now. Yep. So they're stuck in there. Sunset Shimmer comes back with Starlight Glimmer. This this shit is hard, remembering it's vi- the names. all synonyms. And they sound the same. They sound the same. Especially Sunset Shimmer and Starlight Glimmer. Rough. So, they show up at the movie theater. They see that Juniper Montage is up to some shit. Somehow they know that their friends are trapped in the mirror. Oh, because Sunset Shimmer is like, where's my, where's my friends? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you. And she's like, you don't have to. And grabs her arm. That's right. Vision, which has to be a power that's established previously, but I do not recall it. She basically reads Juniper Montage's mind. Yeah. She, she Professor X's her. So she learns about... Magnus. Magnus. So she learns about... Get out of my head, Charles! <laughs> she learns about... No! The, <laughs> Juniper Montage getting that job and then capturing her friends. Because, like, most of what we see is, like, stuff we've seen in the episode, like the girls getting sucked in the mirror. But we also definitely see new footage of Steven Saddlebag showing up and being like, give my niece a job. Peace out. It's, like, pretty wild. So then she wishes Sunset Shimmer into the mirror, and she goes into the mirror. So they're all in there. And then their geodes start reacting. And it's the mirror sucking out their magic power? I do not know. But it has to be, because then, like, it forms a rainbow. And the rainbow goes up Juniper Montage's arm. And then she turns into a 12-foot-tall, like, opera diva. Yeah, she does not become a Satan, like in other movies. I would say she becomes an aspect of Satan. She becomes a... It's like when Rita Repulsa makes her monster grow. But only a little bit. But only a little bit. She, she, she becomes about twice her normal height. And she starts to look like the movie star version of herself that she saw in the mirror. When Sunset... Like, the reason we say a Satan is because when Sunset Shimmer transformed... She had, like, demon wings. Like, bat wings, and, like, was casting lightning. And horns. And horns. This is not that. But it is disturbing in a different... Like, it's upsetting. She's imposing. Yeah, because she... Like, we had the question... Again, we legitimately have no idea how old these characters are supposed to be, and there's only been, like, two or three adults in the show. So when she starts growing... I literally asked you, I was like, is she 12 feet tall, 
or did she just become an adult? Because we don't know how old Juniper Montage is supposed to be. Turns out, when she comes out of the mall, we can clearly see she's 12 feet tall. She's like a 12-foot tall Rita Hayworth. Yeah, like she's she, her head is going above the balconies of the second floor stores in the mall. Which is, I think, uniquely upsetting. Yes. The more I think about it, the more upset I get. And maybe this explains Juniper Montage's whole deal. Because, remember, she asked Stephen Saddlebags to be a movie star. Mm-hmm. So her main goal is to be a movie star. Which maybe explains why she wants to continue to work at the movie theater. Because that is her only connection left to the world of movies. That is seemingly still her goal even at this point as she's rampaging through a shopping mall at 12 feet tall because she's not not like hulk rampaging she's like hallucinating because she looks at this crowd that's terrified of her and she sees like red carpet paparazzi yeah and it's only when that illusion begins to be shattered that she really starts to lose it by it's shattered by starlight glimmer who takes the mirror out of her hand. The mirror goes flying across the mall and starts to break. Which causes the interior mirror universe, the featureless void, to also start to break. Yeah, and it definitely looks like Twilight Sparkle, this version of Twilight Sparkle with the glasses is going to to die. Uh, She does not. That's weird because that implies that Pony Twilight Sparkle also needs glasses. Which she doesn't. They're two different people. I think this version of Twilight Sparkle needs glasses because she's read so much more. Matt, I know you haven't seen the show, but that's a foolish thing you just said. Okay, I don't know much about Twilight Sparkle she from the show. She lives in a fucking library. Okay, never mind then. Okay. So, she just I, I thought she seemed more bookish, the human one, than the other Twilight Sparkle, but I seem to be mistaken. <laughs> You're having a conniption over there. I'm so tired. (laughs) The mirror ends up being destroyed, but before it does get destroyed, Starlight Glimmer... There you go. Starglim. Starglim manages to use her power of proletarian rhetoric. She really does. I wish he would have been like, hey, why are you mad at my friends when what you should be mad at is the system? Is the bourgeoisie. Yeah. The intelligentsia has brainwashed you. Why don't you seize those movie cameras? The means of production. And and start shooting. Look, in the words of Yeezy, we can't all be American Idol. Well, look, I, they have smartphones. They made a video in the first episode. They did make a video in the first episode. But they used a camera for that, and they used a, a camera person. Well, that, that means that they, these things are accessible to people who can raise a little bit of money. That's true. So That's true. it seems like uh, Juniper Montage should have been able to do it. Could do this. Anyway, she eventually convinces Juniper Montage... That she is making a mistake, and she has done wrong in the world. So she wishes, makes one last wish on the mirror to right her mistakes, which sends the Equestria Girls out of the horrible limbo mirror universe just in the nick of time. 
I really do like this part. Because, like, because one of the things Juniper says when she's in her 12-foot-tall Reed Hayworth form is she's like, who would want to be friends with me? Because I'm not this. I'm not this larger-than-life movie star person. And Starlight Glimmer goes, I would. Because I've been where you are. Which is, like, pretty compelling. You know, she did go back in time. And then we get a, a handful of other characters, like this version of Twilight Sparkle, saying, hey, I turned into a Satan. Sunset Shimmer says, hey, I turned into a Satan. Yeah. Like, everybody's kind of like, we've all had our moments. We've all had our moments. Like, Sunset Shimmer's like, hey, I watched the light go out of my own eyes. Jeez, when I strangled myself to death. I found a alternate universe version of myself and had to dissolve their body in a tub of lye. That's right. Which I really like. I do really like this show's acknowledgement. Equestria Girls is not good. General, I, that's harsh. Equestria Girls is weird, and the first couple are not, like, good. Legend of Everfree was pretty good, and this one, I think, pulls it out at the end. But I do really appreciate the acknowledgement of people having complicated pasts. And possibly murder in their past. Possibly murder. Possibly murder. So, by the end, they're all hanging out at Canterlot High. The, the whole new team. The whole new team. So, Starlight Glimmer is there, but she, she, they only say she's going to hang around for a few more days. She's like, guess I gotta go back to being a horse. Uh, it's weird to have fingers and wear clothes. But Twilight writes back to Sunset to say... And the book rings, which is a very quick detail that was shocking to me. And she says, hey, um, that's okay. It's cool. Let Starlight hang out for a few more days. So she will. And then also Juniper is apparently seemingly now a permanent part of the team. Yes, because they're all now hanging out at school. Which I guess is where Juniper should have been the entire time. Because I guess she's a child? Like, the kind that would have to go to a school? Seemingly so. But here's the... Okay, is is Juniper the same age as Twilight? Because Juniper is Twilight's student. No, no, no. Starlight is Twilight's student. No, I'm sorry. I was, right, I, I meant Starlight, not Juniper. Starlight Glimmer is Twilight's student. So is Starlight younger? Possibly, but not necessarily, because, again, you wouldn't know this, Twilight Sparkle achieved princessdom, which is she is an alicorn. She has unicorn and pegasus powers. So she is, like, in the same strata as, like, Celestia and Luna, who would be equivalent to, like, the principals in the Equestria Girls world. Also, it is strongly implied that Sunset Shimmer has been a human for years, if not decades. And she's still in fucking high school. Decades? Okay, certainly years. Quite a while. Long enough to forget that she used to have telekinesis. And how to walk like a horse. How to walk like a horse. She, she picks it back up in a minute. She gets that walk cycle back. Alright, Chris. Uh, let's talk about the high points of Equestria Girls' Tales of Canterlot High. I genuinely appreciate the tight continuity 
And that it not like each one of these movies and each like this weird little OAV that we watched does build on the previous ones, which yeah. makes this fucking incomprehensible. Oh, if you tried to watch these three episodes <laughs> just on their own, you you would. <laughs> you imagine just watching Mirror Magic, bananas on its own. I I would think that your TV would turn into some like it would become like one of those spinning portals, and that's all you could see. Like you, like it would be a, a descent into madness. It would become a fractal. It, exactly. Yeah. But the, uh, yes, the the fact that this tells a pretty connected story that builds. Yeah. Is is good. And. Again, Even though that, sto- that story is nutso. We'll get to it. This is, this is high points. Yes. Matt. It's... Th- there are some genuinely funny bits. The bit where, where... The bit where the show kind of goes, Hey, we acknowledge that people becoming horses is insane. <laughs> so, like, here's a little bit of a gag where someone, like, can't pick up a book because she doesn't have... She just has these flat hooves at the end of her legs. Also, the part where the show acknowledges that, hey, uh, half our characters have been Satans. Yes. Again, I do really like the acknowledgement of people having complicated pasts. I think is really good. That's a good lesson for kids. Also, I really like that Steven Saddlebags looks like George Romero. Um, Of all the directors to make your character look like George Romero. The animation's pretty good, I guess. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's passable. Okay. It's as good as the animation from the movies. Yeah, again, all the all the background characters are like far more interesting. Alright, Chris, low points. Um it continues to be a mystifying and incomprehensible world. Not if you think about it too hard, if you think about it. Yeah, like again, we talked before we started about whether we would get more answers than questions, and we definitely, I think, got more questions. Just it, this this movie, this show, Roddy Pipered us, man. Just when we thought we had the answers, it changes the questions. True. Uh, also, the opening credit sequence is the laziest shit I've ever seen. Genuinely bad. Like. For for a show that like you know generally looks pretty good and like compared to the opening sequences of the movies, that's what where it really gets me. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Um, here's the other thing. Okay, character designs. So any character that is designed from a horse from the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic series has a certain, like, continuity about them, has a certain, like, look about them. Mm-hmm. Characters who are designed newly for this show are so weirdly off-model. Yeah. Chestnut Magnifico was weird. Chestnut looking. Magnifico looked like she was from a whole different thing. She had faces that I said it looked like John Kay showed up to, like, direct one character in one scene. Not wrong. Like, yeah. like I will say that uh, Juniper pretty much fits. Ju- I like that Juniper um, incorporates film 
reels in her, like, like as accessories, which I thought was, like, a really cute touch for her. Clearly, they worked on the design of her a lot more than some of the other, like, one-off characters. I, I'm sure there's, I'm sure I could go buy a doll of Juniper Montage right now. The, the, the character design of the PA that gets fired... His hair is the same color as his skin. That's how much thought went into him. Yeah. I, th- they've clearly got like the roster of background ponies that they had a lot of fun with in, in the movies. And then once you get past that, not the best. It's also like incomprehensible. Like, the, the world. Alright, Chris. Final thoughts on Equestria Girl's Tales of Canterlot High. I feel like we're never going to get any answers. Ominous. Yeah, I, I feel like we're just... It's not going to happen. They're not going to... Nothing's ever going to make sense. What a what a note to end on. Nothing's ever going to make sense. No, I mean, like... Okay. But, but, but here's the thing. There's a, there's a fifth movie. We're going to watch it. We're obviously going to watch it. <laughs> this is my favorite thing we do, honestly. Matt... I don't need them to explain everything. I don't need them to explain anything. But there is, like, no consistent logic of even, are these characters teenagers? Are these characters in school? Again, like you said, this thing was called Tales from Canterlot High. We don't see them in class. At best, they use the school as a place to film a video that they're going to submit to the mall. Yeah. This should be Tales of Canterlot Mall. Because it all kind of focuses on the mall. Everything ends up connecting back to the mall, yes. I just... I don't... I, I don't need everything explained. I just don't want to have more questions every time I watch one of these. Well, we're going to, and we're going to watch the next one when it happens. Before that, we are going to watch another no-nan or phonan on the next episode of Movie Fighters. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Our website is by Sean Bogus. Our music is by Michael Kill. The Snack Situation theme is by Matt Fisher. We'll be back in April with the next phonan slash no-nan and until then, stay horsey. What if that was our sign-up line for every single episode <laughs> from now on? Stay horsey, everybody. We love you. Media production. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Hi folks, Dirk Bentley here. Being on the go is a big part of my life. I love seeing new places, meeting new people, and performing all over the world. 
For energy on the go, for me, it's five hour energy. It works fast, works long, and it tastes good. With zero sugar and four calories. Try it, it could work for your on the go life too. Five hour energy, energy on the go. Get five hour energy at your local sheets.